0: This is Continuum Drag,
1: a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet of the Apes, episodes five and six. Why did you take it?
0: I didn't take anything.
1: All right, now, we're going to lay down a few ground rules on how to behave, you and me and I. And the first thing is, we trust each other, okay? Maybe. And we don't lie. And we don't take things without permission. I'm
0: tired. I want to sleep.
1: Let me have the model, please. I won't. Now, you're not to take anything unless you have permission. Alright, let me have you. God, you stupid airplane! I don't want it. I hate you. I hate you. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast version of a sci-fi TV forced labor camp. I'm Luke, here with my co host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? That was funny, I like that. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I just find forced labor
0: camps funny. Maybe that's what it is.
1: Then you must have loved this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I'm probably more excited about the second episode, but I'll say it right off the bat. I like this episode better than the second episode, so that will be something.
1: Okay. Well, good, good. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I've got something for you. Oh, I hope it's a record by Paul Schaefer. (laughs) And uh, what's his face? Greg Evigan. Greg Evigan? Oh, if only there were more. There's only one year at the top. Yeah. Uh, No, I have a little segment about the cast, but to do it, I stole your game. Oh, okay, great. So uh, now you get to be... The play I I don't think we've ever done it this way, have we?
0: No. My guess will be this is going to go dead terribly because if I have to remember or know anything that's like anyone's name, you know I'm not going to be able to do it.
1: Well, I made it relatively simple. There's only going to be five people. Roddy McDowell. Yep. Of course, Galen. There's Ron Harper. That's Alan Verdun. Yep, yep. There's James Naughton. Pete. Pete Pete Burke. Yep. yep. Mark Lennard. That's Urko. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, Booth Coleman, Zayus. Zayus, got it. Okay. So you can even use their character names. That's just fine. Yeah, great, great. All right, Jordan, let's get into it. Here are your movies. Overboard. Hold on. The original or Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn. Okay. Pearl Harbor, the one by Michael Bay. The Devil Wears Prada. (laughs) I saw The Devil Wears Prada. Annie Hall and Norma Rae. Oh, wow.
0: I've seen most of those. I never saw Pearl Harbor. What was the first one?
1: Uh, the first one's Overboard, Pearl Harbor, Devil Wears Prada, Annie Hall, Norma Ray. Okay, so the only one I haven't seen of those is Pearl Harbor. All right. Also, I'm going to give you bonus points for this other uh, grim subcategory, Are They Dead or Alive? are they dead? <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so I got to pick the person for the movie. So your first movie is Overboard, correct? Correct. I'm going to say in that movie... The person who was in it was Alan. Okay. And the next movie was Battleship Potemkin. What were what, what, yeah. we doing? Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Uh, I I have seen Battleship Potemkin, but uh, Pearl Harbor. I'm gonna say I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm gonna go to the second part of the duo. I'm gonna say Pete was in that one. Okay. Um, these are gonna be all wrong. I'm. I'm I want to have our first words zero four five. The third movie was Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. You know what? I have no idea when Roddy McDowell died or has not died so i'm gonna say roddy mcdowell was in that okay and the fourth movie was annie hall annie hall let's say uh old uh urko was in it okay that leaves only Norma ray yeah it's got to be dr zayas i believe he also played dr zayas in that movie am i correct yeah that's 100 percent
1: <laughs> you actually got two out of five hey that's not bad you got yes urko was in annie hall and dr zayas was in Norma ray wow those would not be the two i thought that's it's pretty impressive. Um, it's not. It's two to five. I mean, uh, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's poor. It's below below. A, below, a, below average. average. Uh, Devil Rose Prada. Pete Burke. James and James Naughton. Hmm. He uh, he's a very he's very much alive and well. Good good for him. Uh, Do you think he's still in good shape? He is. I've seen him. He looks good actually. He he aged very well. Uh, Pearl Harbor was Alan Verdun. Oh. Ron Harper. Mm. And uh, Overboard was Roddy McDowell. Over he was in an Overboard. Now uh, is he dead? Yes, and he did he die a long time ago? Yes, Uh, 1998. That
0: is a long time ago. So he didn't even get to see um, Battlestar. What was that movie called? Overboard. Oh no 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 uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. He didn't even get to see Pearl Harbor. He didn't even get to see it. That's what he said in his on his his dying breath. He was like, "Please let me see." Uh, And then he died. He couldn't even get it out. And what we knew that what was the movie he wanted to see, which was Overboard. Overboard. No Pearl Harbor. (laughs) Harbor. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, I honestly, I'm it's getting worse.
1: Maybe someone can diagnose you via this podcast. Yeah. Like I my memory is just I'm like a insect. Alright, Ron Harper, Alan Verdun, dead or alive. Oh, I hope they're both alive. Pete and Burke and Verdun? Yeah. You're right, they're both alive. Yeah. Well they weren't they're they were only uh, men in their
0: thirties, so What about
1: Urko and Zeus though?
0: Oh, Zayas is dead. I think Urko's alive.
1: No, both dead. They're both dead. All oh. the apes. All the apes didn't make it. Yeah. Only the
0: humans lived. Well, I wonder if there was some lasting effects to having to wear um full fur costumes with clothes in like hundred degree weather.
1: I'm gonna give you a few uh, little fun trivia fits that I found while I was building this game. Uh, Roddy McDonald. we I haven't watched it yet, and we'll have to find it later. He did a guest spot during this TV show on the Carol Burnett Show, where he showed up in full ape costume and sang a love <laughs> duet with her. <laughs> okay, that is pretty good. Uh, That's I, pretty. Good. I would love to watch that. Yeah. Urko uh, Mark Leonard. I don't know if you knew this. He's Sarek, from all of the Star Trek. Oh, really? Yeah, one, three, four, six, TNG, the original. Wow. Yeah, he he he's Sarek. It's interesting because
0: the ape makeup really is the prominent, um, like nose to chin. Mm -hmm. So you really get no sense of what these people look like underneath. Like obviously expressive eyes and that sort of thing, but you could put anyone under there, and it's like you know it could be guest star
1: wilt chamberlain i'm trying to think of the 70s and you'd be like oh wow look at that tall uh, very ape. tall ape yeah uh, also a little fun fact about mark Leonard: he was also the first actor to uh, play a romulan a vulcan and a klingon <laughs> that's
0: pretty good so he's he was a uh, um an actor who he was called to be in prosthetics a lot
1: yeah yeah that I, th- I think that is like this case. actor
0: never complains stick him in another costume
1: and then i have a fu- two fun little trivia facts about booth coleman who played zayas go for it one his former teacher Maurice Evans, was the original Zeus. His acting teacher? Yeah. Oh, weird. From the original film, so he, w- he would take over for his acting teacher in the TV show. Oh, can I, But can I guess what the next fact is? Sure. It was his real hair. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> would that be something? That would be amazing. No, uh, my, my sub-trivia fact for him was he played Scrooge 600 times in Detroit. Like, people wanted him to? He was paid for that? I assume so. <laughs> That's one of his trivia facts, is he played Scrooge over 600 times out of at a theater in Detroit over the course of his life. What an odd fact. Good for him, though. Yeah, he lived a full life. Yeah. Ape suits. I enjoyed that, even though I only got two out of five. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed doing it. Although I realize now as I was doing reading up the actors and the roles, I just read them in order. If you had just guessed them in order, (laughs) you would have been right. Like
0: our characters in the show, I just have like flop sweat at all times. I was just so worried that I was going to forget all the titles. And uh, in fact, that came true and I did forget all the titles and I still couldn't tell you what they were. Well, sitting on the other
1: side of the table this time, I realized how hard your job is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's all I was hoping for. All right. Let's get into uh, the IMDb summary for episode five, The Legacy. That's a good title. Burke and Verdun discover a holographic message from scientists from their own time, which might help them find out what happened to their world while exploring the runes of Oakland. That was courtesy of Ape Freak. <laughs> oh, it's Ape Freak, he's back. Yeah, Ape Freak. Or back. sorry,
0: excuse me. She she's back. Let's let's assume Ape Freak's a, a woman. Okay. I
1: think. Sure.
0: You know? There could be women, Ape Freaks.
1: I one can only assume. Yeah.
0: So this episode, we go back to that same rubble set. Yeah, it's uh, we're back. Like, um, I mean,
1: I, and this is this is a
0: weird thing because when I first saw it on the last episode or whatever it was, two episodes ago, I was really excited because it looked great. It still looks great, but I was really disappointed because it just felt like, like they were just like, well, just just write another script that takes place in a Rumble City and it's a different Rumble
1: City, but it looks exactly the same. I mean, there's a bit of a tease because they're they're hiking through the forest again, and we get a little bit of uh, making fun of Galen because he's such a sheltered ape that he's not used to being outside. Yeah, which. I would love a lot more of that. If that's true, like a, like a pressy little Galen. <laughs> but uh, we get a brief shot of a matte painting, like a really nice matte painting of yeah. a destroyed city. And Verdun's like, I'd forgotten what cities look like. I was just like, no, no, two episodes ago, you were in a city. Oh yeah,
0: I was excited. I was like, oh, uh, like this, maybe this will be a different kind of change of pace. Like it will be a not
1: destroyed city, but no, it's, no, it's the same. Cut to city. them walking into the exact same set they were in before. This time followed by a tiny dog who never reappears. There was a couple lines in the beginning of this. That
0: made it seem that Galen didn't really know about these cities or they're sort of forgotten or very little traveled cities. But this is a large city. There's street upon street upon street neighborhoods. And there's like, oh, we don't know what's over there.
1: Well, let's get into it. Okay. I have a thing that I was debating whether I was going to do or not because I spent a few hours and I didn't finish it. But because they were in San Francisco two episodes ago, Mm -hmm. went through the farmland and now are in Oakland. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is all in the Bay Area. I don't know how well you know the Bay Area. Not very well. Well, essentially what I'm going to tell you is, if you think of it this way, is at the tip of sort of a peninsula is San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And there's water north of it, and there's a bay to the uh, east of it. And the bay goes down south and then cuts back up north. And on the other side, basically exactly where San Francisco is, is Oakland. So basically they're across a bay from each other right now. Mm -hmm. So they would have had to essentially travel probably a day or two down along the coast, back up the other side to get to Oakland. Mm-hmm. So there clearly was some sort of travel there. And I was like, okay, they're naming places. We know there's a farmland. So that's probably in that lower area around the bay now. So I started trying to figure out, I'm like, where have they been? What's been going on? Can I track their journey? So I pulled up that map from the first episode. Mm-hmm. And obviously I don't know where they crash landed. It's impossible to say. But we, we think it's somewhere in California, right? Uh, not anymore. Because I looked at the map on the wall and the basically the biggest city on the map i'm theorizing it's got to be central city the city where the apes live where yeah, they brought right. them for the trial and essentially that is basically on the border of mexico not quite it actually looks like it's in arizona just over the border of arizona from california and everything north toward where basically the barrier would be is not on that map like it is beyond that uh central City's like knowledge base right so i think they actually traveled they're traveling into basically uncharted territory or at least uh, like unsettled territory right because they would have had to travel from basically phoenix walking all the way up to san francisco and then now they're like looping around the bay and even in the like second episode they're down by the beach and they're guessing which beach it could possibly be but they seem to still be along that like barrier in california right so i think if i get around to it again i'm going to try to build a map where i try to guess where these people journey from well i
0: think uh that's a wonderful use of your time but more importantly, I think you're already probably giving way more thought into this than the writers did. I think they just thought it was fun to yell out city
1: names. I don't know. We always say that. We're, we always say it's like they didn't put it. I feel like it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, maybe. I, I I think I'm definitely putting too much thought into it. But I feel like it's not thoughtless because there's enough continuity, even if it's not perfectly combined it's that thing that i think that makes these kind of sci-fi shows work is it's giving you just enough detail that your mind can run wild and it's what makes a fan base like excited right it's why we hate prequels because we didn't want that information filled in but you gave us enough that we can kind of build the mental map in our head and i feel like that's kind of this yeah i agree they definitely did not plan the entire trip but i i feel like it must be somewhere in the middle from not thinking at all to like thinking overthinking it i think this show must be somewhere in the
0: middle well we know the kibble cities they're being in now so let's see going forward if we uh if your map's accurate
1: if we if if it seems like they're still on a, a mm-hmm. straightforward journey um i'll yeah i'll build the map i'll try to put where the episodes happened in my <laughs> head <laughs> right <laughs>
0: so anyways they come to rubble city which we which is we find it we find out as oakland
1: yeah and they find the oakland science institute which mm. uh Inside, they dig out a vault and there's a vacuum sealed like door and inside is a fancy electric cabinet that mm-hmm. once they push the button, a hologram pops up. But what I
0: like is um, the vault is uh, covered in rubble. And so the actors have to move all the rocks, but the rocks clearly have no weight to them. And so there's a couple times where they're really kind of, you know, acting and they there. And, and there's and, but then at the very end of one of the scenes, they clearly just need to keep going in the scene. And Pete just tosses a couple bricks aside like they're feathers. And I loved it. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, right. All right. There's a couple more bricks. But I mean, you know, we did styrofoam bricks. Yeah,
1: classic move. Mm-hmm.
0: But anyways, yeah, there's a a very Star Wars esque sort of um, a technology where this computer, which by the way, they they were able to turn that thing on real easy.
1: There's only like three buttons.
0: All it tells them, and we don't even get the whole message, is that basically, this has been left by people from the past, and what the hologram is saying is. By the way, there's a whole bunch of information it might be useful to people in the future. Actually, I think they say knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge, knowledge. That, knowledge that will be um, useful. What we've done is we've put it all over the place in little secret places. And if you sort of go from place to place, you'll get clues to go to the other place. A this is what this TV show is going
1: to be about now. It's finding these
0: little uh, hidden caches. Hidden caches.
1: Yeah, they definitely are making up for the loss of that disc from mm-hmm. episode three. Yeah, it's definitely felt like here's your new goal. There's hidden caches everywhere. Go find them. And unfortunately, the hologram dies before it can say where in Oakland it is. But it kind of gives them a mission for the episode. They're like, all right, we got to build a battery so we can see the rest of this hologram. And we actually get a very detailed description of how a battery works but that's right it goes on for a while they're like going on about copper and stuff i was like guys no one cares they really went through all the steps of how you would build a battery in like a post-apocalyptic world but basically cuts to them like gathering copper wire out amongst the sort of runes and this uh gorilla patrol comes along them and is very suspicious uh did you did you notice i mean we know they're using the same set they did last time but did you notice the leader of that uh gorilla patrol was wearing Mimo's vest <laughs> I didn't. I should have caught that. No, it, I it had the big M on it. It wasn't Mimo. So,
0: but you know what probably happened?
1: Well, they shot him back to back.
0: Well, no, I think he killed. Oh, Mimo got killed. He got killed and the guy took his This is um this is Marvin. And he's like, "Well, that works for
1: me too." My name's Marvin. So, yeah, so. so he just puts the jacket on. Oh, poor Mimo. But yes, they just shot it back to back is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh so they see them uh our heroes that uh, decide to split up and run and and Verdun kind of says before they go. They're like, "Hey, split and run we'll all meet back within 24 hours at the uh oakland science institute but if one of us doesn't make it back go on without them mm-hmm. a real ominous opening to this uh because essentially they run away verdun tries to hide with this woman uh, arne who will come to know a little bit more later uh, but while he's hiding with her this little street kid named kirik uh rats him out to some apes and played by who Jackie Earl Haley and he looks pretty much the same right I he I don't know about that he looks adorable
0: yeah I I mean you can tell once you know it's him you you can tell that it's him I mean what's he from um for the listener recent I mean most probably prominently Watchmen the not very good Robocop remake. He was in that. The not um, very good
1: Friday the thirteenth remake.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. His his specialty is making not very
1: good remakes. Well, he was in that movie Little Children, that indie movie. That's right. Which yeah. is quite good actually. He's a he's a really good actor. He really is. And it's really fun because he's got to be, what, nine in this? Something like that, yeah. He's quite he's quite little. But yeah. His character basically rats Verdun out for like an apple. Yeah, no, but it's
0: not even an apple. It actually looks like an onion. And that's what I'm hoping he got. Because he ravenously eats that onion. He basically they're like We'll give you food. He's like, oh yeah, they're over there. Give me that onion.
1: You brought this up last time because you were saying Burke was going to be the all-time score leader for captured by. I Apes. know. Verdun ties it up three-three. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think
0: it's pretty much safe to say that every episode, at least one of them will be captured.
1: Someone's getting caught by an ape.
0: Yeah, it's just it's got to happen. So yeah, he gets captured and they bring them to. Um, I think it's now, do they bring him to like the very large, weird prison that they put him in, which is just a
1: building? Yeah, it is very weird. Let's come back to that for a second. Okay. I want to actually blow through this one side story of the episode is after Verdun doesn't show up. We kind of keep popping back to Galen and Burke who are building this battery and trying to get this hologram to work so they can find out where this knowledge is. What a what a boring B-plot, by the way. Well, and the entire time Galen's like, we got to go save Verdun. And Burke's like, eh. <laughs> yeah he said not to i got
0: the sense and and maybe you you agree or disagree with me do you get the sense that alan and galen are no better friends than than alan and pete that's the sense i get
1: it was like Burke just kept saying he's the he's the commander He, he ordered us not to go look for him so i'm just gonna build this battery at one point even galen's like really fretting he's like well it's been 24 hours we really need to go look for him and Burke's like, all right, all right. I just got to go take a nap first. And he goes off. He's like, I'm going to go take a quick nap. It does seem like Burke has no urgency to ever go find him.
0: Also, let's say you and I are these two astronauts. And you're the one in charge. You're the whatever sergeant or I don't know what the astronaut. Captain. uh, (laughs) Captain. And we get to the planet. And then we know we're never going to get back home. We're stranded. And you're like, I'm in charge. I order you to do this. I'd be like, meh. You know? I mean, that that is Burke. Once the authority's gone, I mean... It's like huh.
1: I feel like Burke's been like that this entire time. He's kind of been like and eh, everything. Yeah. And this is basically a convenient excuse. He's like, nah, he ordered us not to, so eh. and <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I know Burke really like left him behind and Galen was quite upset by it. But essentially they'll go on a little bit of their own side plot where they don't find him and they build the battery and
0: But pretty soon, if it's not the next game of the scene, we get Urko and Zaeus back, and it's the first time
1: they've been back in a while. Yeah, absolutely. We actually get to see that uh, those signal stations again, where they're yeah, flashing yeah. the lights. They look like, like reflective coconuts. I yeah, love they're them. reflective coconuts, which I think I think I brought this up that episode. There, I was trying to figure out how much communication they do with this. Apparently, it runs statewide because they yeah. get that back to Central City yeah. from all the way up to Oakland, Oakland to Phoenix. That's a long way to go. I bet you they're. Tum- <laughs> it's true. I bet you they're um,
0: they're long shifts. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Got to be a couple guys up there, right? Yeah, I mean, because How much sunlight do you think they're getting in California? Oh, man. At least, you probably get at in least the 12 hours, right? Yeah, Some, easy. So that's a long shift. They're probably breaking that up.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, once the sun goes down, uh, you just look at those stars. Yeah, that's it. There's no more signaling. You after don't, need, don't need to do any signaling. So maybe it's a cherry job at night. But anyways, uh, yeah, Urko and Zayas come
0: back because they're called in, basically. Yeah, because they've got Verdun. Yeah. They got him tied up. And so, and the two, there's an interesting thing here that they don't, I don't know if they play enough with, but what you get is that the different way of looking at things from zeus and erko uh, Urko. and Urko's is kill him we want to kill him because we don't want people to know what they know and it will you know the idea is the world will stop existing the way we have it right now if they knew what these astronauts yeah. know and zeus is always a little bit more not conniving but he he doesn't go at it straight straight yeah it's N. not
1: a long it's not he he has a longer game in mind yeah
0: and so what is what does Zaius want to do?
1: Well, it's what's funny is we get a brief scene where this this debate comes up because Urko's trying to beat it out, beat the location of Galen and uh, Burke out of Verdun. And they get a classic scene where Zayas disagrees with his methods. Mm. The only reason I bring that up is because, well, they're having this fight and like Zaius is just like, this is going to cost you some influence on the high council if you fuck this up. Erko's just sitting there chewing a piece of celery the entire yeah. time. Yeah, it was great. I was like, "This is great." And, and
0: also, he was doing a good job with that makeup and he able to eat at the same time.
1: Oh, it was very. I, I like. It was until the scene was over that I realized. I'm like, "Oh, how was he eating that piece yeah. of celery?" Yeah, yeah, he did a good job. <laughs> but really, what it is is Zayas has another plan to get this information, and it is a great plan. Yeah. Like I honestly was just like, "This is genius." He's found a photo on Verdun that we've seen earlier of Verdun's family, a wife and a son. They've come up before. They're a little freaked out by how they take these photos, but that's beside the point, so they don't, they don't dwell on it. But essentially, he goes out, picks up Couric, the boy who ratted him out, picks up Arn, the woman he was hiding with. Both look like his family in that like one's a blonde woman, one's a little kid. They force all three of them into a castle that I don't know why that castle is in Oakland. Yeah, it just it is. Just is. Uh, they make up some sort of excuse about some sort of uh, oil tycoon yeah that, they just threw the line in really quick and i was like okay sure it did seem like hey there's a castle available you want it like oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we do uh they toss him in there and basically lock them up and Stasis's plan basically is he's going to become attached to these people because they'll remind him of his family he'll build a small family unit he'll eventually just tell them everything he knows because he'll just trust them mm-hmm. and this little rat kid will just tell us
0: yeah because because they're paying the little rat kid um, in food, he's basically an informer. He's planted in. there. He's gonna there. get so many onions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They call it something else in this world though. Gubu gubus or something. Gubu <laughs> gubus. Yeah. Um,
1: but I was like, this is an excellent plan built toward his weaknesses, Verdun's mm. particular weaknesses, mm. and it's kind of one of these things. When you, if it's badly written, this is like comes off probably as like lazy, but it actually felt like a smart, well thought out plan by Zayas, and I was just like, of course he's gonna fall for this. This is the, his exact weakness. Yeah, and but
0: Ur- Urko is not enjoying the plan at all. He's just he, he sort of just comes in every now and then, but like, can I just kill him? Like this is terrible. Yeah. Like he
1: doesn't he doesn't want the long game. Yeah, at some point Urko even is just like, listen, I'm just going to do a grid sweep of the city. I, I, we don't have time for this. I'm just and I think the both of them working together are actually a pretty good team. Well, I mean, it is a good like
0: we're gonna try to. Um, I don't know what you'd even call that. Um, I guess, emotionally manipulating the one guy into uh, feeling comfortable to give secrets. Well, while you're doing that, we're just going to go and try to kill the other guys in the meantime. Yeah. It's, we'll do, a, it's a good two-prong attack. It's a...
1: It's a gr- they were even like, we're going to do a grid search of the city. It'll be very thorough. Like, mm. Yeah, you guys are going to get him You're going to do it.
0: And, and it is kind of what happens. So, like, um, what's-his-face realizes very quick, Alan, that he can't really escape. Yeah. But he also realizes that they don't seem to want to
1: kill him. They just want to keep him there. He's suspicious, yeah. but he he can't figure it out. And he very quickly, like, he immediately starts bonding with his family. Like, there's so much family time. He's, like, teaching the kid to do handshakes. They're, uh, yeah. they're, he builds them a little plane, uh, toy plane. Well, my favorite thing about this, though, is very quickly he starts stepdadding
0: the kid, which is what I felt like. It's like, I'm the new dad. Let me tell you how it's like. And he just, and it was like, and the kid responded just like, like, it was something, what was he broke the plane, right? He breaks the the plane.
1: Yeah, and, at yeah. some point he breaks the plane and he gets he gets a talking to like there, there's he like gives him lectures on morality because yeah. the kid's a little thief, He likes to steal things and he's trying to teach him the right way. He's like really flirting it up with Arne the uh, the lady who's there. It's this really like they have a family dinner. It's it it really is a whole family thing. Also,
0: he takes the time to evidently carve an airplane.
1: Yes. Why don't you
0: just carve a knife or something?
1: Well, the kid can't play with a knife. I know but try to escape He actually says at some point he's going to wait 24 hours Because he wants to like Let his friends have a chance to like right. get away I guess it, I mean it was all perfunctory for him To build this family relationship But as he does he starts telling them You know about the old world and the wonders of uh, Old human technology They're all very wild, like they're interested in his stories Because they've all lost hope in this future And then he finally he's just like well I think there is More hope because we found a bank of knowledge At the old Oakland Science Institute Where my friends are hanging out <laughs> Yeah, they're they're really happening and It's been funny because Kirk's been like the kid's been trying to like sneak the information out of him. Yeah. But like he doesn't push too hard, so he, verdun's not catching on. But finally he tells him and the kid's like, Oh, now I know. But we kind of have this scene afterward where this is what you're talking about, he steals the little toy plane and he's playing with it, and that's when Verdun comes out and starts giving him like a big stepdad lecture about st- lecture about stealing things, and the kid gets mad. It's like I hate you. I hate you. I agree. It was great. I know he's yelling, I hate you, and he smashes the plane of course runs out finds an ape guard rats out birkin galen and then he comes back in and in that space of like 10 minutes while he's been gone verdun's rebuilt the plane mm-hmm. and then and are the bum figures it's like he built it for you don't feel bad and the kid just starts crying he's like oh, i ratted you all out i'm so sorry yeah so it worked but it all happened really quick it happens all in a heartbeat and now that Kirik, the kids back on verdun's side they come up with a plan to like distract a guard and he jumps off a roof and there's like another like i do love though fight. that he said at
0: one point the kid says oh yeah there's a way out i just didn't tell you and the way out really just is like an open door there happens to be a guard over there but it's like you could just walk out at any point but
1: it seemed like alan never did actually go around and check in this castle there was only that one scene where he like where he jumps out of when he jumps in the sky is this window and he was yeah. tugging at the rails. Like it did seem like it would be easy to escape but that they had them pinned down with guns. Right. But when it comes time to escape, they weren't as pinned down as it seemed. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because Erko took all those forces to go do a grid sweep. Yeah, it, it backfired. It all makes sense logically in this show. Essentially now it's a bit of a race across town because uh, they want to get back to the Oakland Science Institute to see if they can find Burke in them.
0: So the kid mentions at one point, a couple of scenes before, I travel through by sewers. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then what we find out is, yes, uh, the, the apes are going to, going to try to get to the science center or wherever it was.
1: Well, they're going to the science center to see if they can. They, they're getting close because they, uh, they got the information that that's where they're hiding. Right. But what bugged me was, the kid goes, we can get
0: there faster by taking the sewers. And I was like, yes, let's go into the sewers. Let's see what that looks like we do not get to see, the you sewers. know, you're going
1: to see them lifting a manhole and they just, they pop up. like What a bummer, what a bummer. That's true. They didn't have a sewer set.
0: I know, but like that would have made this more interesting. Like you mentioned this whole episode was them kind of like sneaking through the sewers and stuff. I was like, that's pretty cool, but it's, that's not what this is. You don't is. get
1: that at all, but they get back to the science Institute, uh, Erko and Zayus, sorry, trying to remember all these ape names. They show up at the science center too, and they have to—they kind of hide. While Zayus like gets this hologram machine working, mm-hmm. and they basically watch the whole thing because the battery's been completed, and basically the hologram finishes his story about where they've hidden the knowledge in Oakland, which is at a train station in Midtown. Um, and now they, after racing to the uh, the Oakland Science Institute, they have to race to this train station so they can right. save Galen and uh, Burke from this right and i
0: jumped ahead a little bit and this is so they're racing but they have to get through all the rubble and that's why the kid wants to take the sewer yeah. because it's faster than trying to get horses over rubble
1: and they basically jump right to the midtown train station they've got a huge like 19th century computer it's got like reel to reel and hmm. like little computer printers yeah it's great papers looking. St- spitting out of it there we go i got the word out and um verdun comes out he's like hey it's great you found all this knowledge but we have to abandon it like they're on our tails we can't die for this and they basically have to run away where they can learn anything about kind of what knowledge was left behind and urko and Zeus arrive it's kind of an interesting turn here is because urko kind of like once he sees it he's just like maybe i want a piece of this knowledge like it would make me pretty mm-hmm. powerful i like i like having this power amongst over my people it's a good point point. and over the council uh, but Zeus does a good job. He he talks him out of it kind of by building his paranoia. He's just like, but what if one of your men got the information? Mm-hmm. And then Eric like, you're right. Let's burn this whole mother down. Yeah. But what I like was that the whole time
0: the computer just keeps uh, spitting out paper. It just keeps printing. I'm like, what was it printing? I don't know. They turned
1: it on and started printing paper immediately. Yeah. Just blank paper. It's, you know what it
0: was? It was uh, 5,000 years ago. Someone, the printer wasn't working. And so they just turned it off and then. When they came to turn it back on, you're just printing whatever that guy, that document that guy had.
1: I was impressed because they said it was cemented. It was it was like cemented in this place. I don't know how Galen and Burke magic to get past the cement wall, but they really did a good job while we yeah. weren't watching them.
0: Yeah, they just also didn't mention there was uh, just a door.
1: There, yeah. Oh, there was, there's a door too, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we cemented it all, but we also put a door. Because
1: so. we want you to get in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like this, though, because... Now that Urko and Azaz are like burn it down, you see you see them lighting the computer paper on fire, and the camera pushes on the computer paper, and we suddenly cut to stock footage of an oil refinery exploding. Oh, it was wonderful! It was great. It was like a huge explosion. But I'm just like, that's not a train station. Yeah, I know it was great though. Yeah, it was just
0: the the juxtaposition of the two was so drastic. Of this one tiny little flame to <laughs> we're like, okay,
1: yeah, move. It really exploded that computer. Mm-hmm. And the episode just kind of wraps up with uh, you know they've escaped. They have to dump these two characters. They're not bringing this girl, this woman and this kid along with them for the of the show. So they're like, hey, don't you have a dead husband who's got a brother who's got a farm? Let's drop you off there. Which is like right outside town. But what what I felt like, didn't it feel like they were,
0: because she didn't want to go back to the farm and she wasn't talking about it. My assumption was it was an abusive relationship and they're just dropping her right back in there. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was my assumption. But. <laughs> that was mine. I was just like, oh, don't leave this woman there but i like the the hit wall um Alan's having the goodbye with the kid and the in the and the woman um who i don't know uh, creek was the kid's name what was her name arn 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 creek or crick something like that Keurig? Keurig? i thought it was creek but anyways um and jane's going to hate that they, they they like pete just goes over and, and like like meets the farmer and he's
1: like yeah everything looks good yeah. Well they needed they need some private time with the family he'd built. So Galen and, and Burke just hung out with this farmer they just met. <laughs> anyway, that they, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. All right. Let's get into uh the ID summary for episode six. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. Tomorrow's Tide. Best title so far. Yeah, you like Tomorrow's Tide. Yeah, I loved it.
0: Would you would you read that book? sure why not if there was if there was a cover and there was two guys swimming and there's a shark coming after them <laughs> and there's monkeys on the on the coast and then it and then it says tomorrow's tide i'd be like yes, yeah, sold
1: oh you know what if you made pulp like novel covers for each one of these episodes with these titles they would actually be really good yeah agreed all right so this uh, synopsis summary has been edited for length <laughs> it's really long hey, we'd like to thank you for uh, rushing in there and telling them we were liars it was a big help
0: well, I couldn't think of anything else to do. And besides, if I hadn't
1: found you, you two would have been banded as fishermen for the rest of your lives. Haina, hey, you know, we gotta
0: do something, as a big wheel is coming in here tomorrow.
1: Hmm, that's Bandor. He's in charge of many of the producing areas, and he's the one who presides over the banding of the fishermen ceremony.
0: Haina, you're pretty thick with her, Don, aren't you? Can't you get us out of here?
1: I am primarily concerned that Hurtan's patrols do not find Gato. I mean, if he points you two out, you will be killed instantly. While walking on an ocean beach with Galen, Verdun and Burke see a condemned man lashed to a raft in the water. That was courtesy of Dinky Four of Minneapolis. <laughs> Dinky. Um, let me say, I was
0: really excited at the beginning of this episode because after already reusing Rubble Time City... Right. We're by water. This is We're on a beach. We're I'm on like, a
1: beach. The new environment. It looks
0: new. And and I was really excited about what was going to happen. And the first half of this is pretty good.
1: All right. Uh, before we get too far into it, I want to propose an alternate title for Tomorrow's Tide. Okay. I I think this episode has been called Waiting for Bandor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was going to be my point. The second half of this episode... Well, Look, we'll get to it momentarily. I would say Bandor just, shows up in the final 10 minutes. But for the 40 minutes proceeding yeah everyone's (laughs) like wait till bandor gets here i know when bandor gets here let me
0: just say bandor is a real disappointment but it's it just screeches to a halt at some point it's like this is an exciting fun silly episode and then about 20 minutes in they went nope Wait for Bandor. Everyone, let's just sit and twiddle our thumbs. And it's like, what happened?
1: I, I don't know. I did. I don't know if I disliked as much as you did, but I just kept, I, they kept teasing Bandor. And at a certain <laughs> point, I'm like, I hope he never comes. I hope Bandor just never yeah, shows up. he just never up. shows up. Um, it's
0: got this very, like, dark ending. They just they just wait forever. Where's Bandor? Yeah. End, um, end of the series.
1: But yeah, it starts off on this beach. We we get to watch them kind of wandering along. They see this raft that was in the uh, sun- uh, summary. Mm-hmm an old man has been lashed to it and they're like oh we better go save them they, they swim out which was fun
0: take their shirts off oh they oh yeah 100% and they they don't wear shirts at all this episode oh well
1: it's a full swimming episode yeah it's great cuz they swim out there they grab the raft and as they turn around to swim back just a shark fin swims in front of them and I, I was like whoa 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 i know and okay
0: we know what time period is but here here is a point i was going to make so this show was made in 1974 and the shark looks... They do a lot of shark scenes in this. And there's the really bad-looking fin that you could buy in like any novelty store. Yes. And then cut with shots of sharks that don't look like yeah, they're in the A lot of same stock way. photography. Now, Jaws came out in 1975.
1: So you think this, this inspired Jaws? No. What I'm saying is they could have done a lot better. <laughs> I I don't think they do the worst job. We'll get into it in a little bit. But they, they do swap between a fake fin... Like a full fake shark at some point, and then like a lot of stock footage of it. You know, it's, they didn't have the budget to bring sharks in. Uh, It is fun. They even tried. I felt, I was just like, this is exciting. But the point of the scene is you were like, oh no, there's gonna be a shark attack. I can't believe it. No, the shark just goes away. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a tease. I thought that was going to be the only shark we got. We end up getting a lot more sharks in this yeah. episode, but there's just like a quick moment where we see a shot of a shark, and I was like, "Whoa!" They really didn't get into that, but I'm like, oh, "Okay, it's a bit of a tease." Yeah. But essentially, who they save on this thing is this old man Gatto. Gatto. Uh, they sort of drag him back to a cave, and he's he's basically constantly being like, "Leave me! I'm dead. The it's the will of the gods." He's I'm a real dead. He, he's a real downer too. Huh? I but, thought him and Pete would probably get along. <laughs> yeah. He he's basically whatever religion he follows. He like. It was his time to go. He should be dead. You dragged him out of like he basically dragged him back to life. He doesn't want to be alive. My favorite part about it, though is like they're trying to talk sense to him and Galen's just staying there and he's just like, Galen's just like, Well, you heard him. Let's get out of here. He he wants to die. Well, what yeah. do we do? And it, it was like so callous, but so fun. Like roddy McDowell played it so funny. Well, he played it very
0: similar to the first episode where they're like, How is the guy doing? He? and he's like, He's dead. Yeah. Like, like it was good. it was the same consistent sort of he sees things very literal and very, as they are on the page. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, he wants just, to die. So what's, what are we What are we talking about? Yeah. And
1: his view of humans is just like, yeah, he even says it somewhere. He's like, yeah, I've known a few humans whose lives would have been much better off dead. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, well, maybe he should be dead. But essentially, this kind of kicks off the episode. They see Gatto has this uh, band, this metal band strapped to his arm, which is, a, I guess, a symbol that he's part of a forced labor camp. Yeah. And uh, Verdun and Burke decide, we better go check this forced labor camp out. Mm-hmm. Well, what do they do with this forced labor camp, Jordan? It's not what I thought
0: it was going to be, but what it seems to be is a whole bunch of men, and I only did see men fishing. Correct. But so it's a bunch of men wearing like you know just bottoms, and they all have spears, and they're. Uh, it looks like they're just jabbing the water. Yeah,
1: they're they're just spear fishing out yeah. there in the ocean,
0: but like a lot of them, and apparently, like it's real good fishing right at the right at the right right at the right
1: at the, co- right at the shore. Yeah. Um, and
0: here's the thing. They, they talk about, and you probably got more of the details than I did because uh, that's the way our personalities are. But um, they mention a couple different things, uses of the, of the fish. Obviously, they're eating them.
1: But did they also mention they were using it as fertilizer? That is what is happening is the people who work there eat the fish. But the apes don't eat fish. Right. Because the apes are vegetarians. The entire premise of this labor camp is to gather fish for fertilizer for their farms. Right. This is strictly a fertilizer endeavor that's all it is because basically what happens is uh verdun and burke immediately get caught so they're now four four on the getting caught list they're tied still like they're neck and mm-hmm. neck
0: also they know about fertilizer but they don't know about how to build a fence hey man <laughs> what do you want me to say
1: uh, <laughs> they get hauled back to kind of the the uh the camp boss this uh, ape named hutton yeah. who um He like you come in and he is stressed out. He cannot deal with these two humans. He's just like, I don't know, just kill him. My boss, Bandor he's up my ass about these fish quotas. I need to get more fish and he won't get off my ass about it. Yeah, and they, and they say Bandor so many times.
0: He's, he's con- Bandor this, Bandor that. He's
1: constantly complaining about his boss Bandor to a point that I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Like, this is absolutely like, you've got a bad boss somewhere and you're just yeah. like, oh, Bandor won't get off me about these quotas I'm not meeting. Oh, but let me mention something interesting about that, that ape. What was his name again?
0: Hutton? Hutton. He's a very, he's the same type of, he's a chimp, right? Same type yep, of chimp. ape as Galen. He's wearing a very similar outfit. It, which is the green, whatever you call it, tunic that. or something. Tunic. Yeah. yeah. But did you notice the interesting thing on it? Is that he has on each shoulder, essentially almost like an
1: epaulette, but it's a fish badge, a yeah, silver fish a badge little... on each side. And I was like, oh,
0: that was a nice little detail. It was
1: a nice deal. I noticed it too. I was like, this is like, it's good. It's like building this little world, mm-hmm. which is weird because like it's something you could easily forget about the costume and, department uh, really went for it. Ola uh, Bando, what's his name? Hutton.
0: No, no, the other Bandor. guy. Bandor. Bandor. He, he, uh, he also has a fish on him when he arrives, too.
1: Yeah, they seem to be part of, like, obviously, what, however the economic system works in uh, Planet of the Apes. There's clearly, like, sections or, like, mm-hmm. economic sectors of it. In terms of the costume design, it was a nice little touch. It wasn't a lot. They didn't mention it. It was just, oh, yes, he is in a fish industry. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It, it was very nice. I agree. Yeah, he basically is, like, tells the guard, I don't know, kill these two guys. I can't... Deal. like i just can't deal right now and immediately they start like they're like oh no wait don't kill us uh we want to be fishermen we mm-hmm. we left a farm to come be fishermen there he's like all right where are your papers and they're like we lost them
0: yeah so what what does he make them do
1: he's just like all right fine you want to be a fisherman great but first you got to swim under the lake of fire you lie you die he <laughs> they call it the burn test right yeah the burn test and it basically drags them out to a lake Or I guess it must just be the coast somewhere further down. And the water is just on fire. Yeah, they never explain it. Like, I don't know if they had just lit the water on fire at some point. Or
0: there's some sort of environmental disaster where it's always on fire. But whatever's happened, they're using it to the best of their advantage as a way of testing testing worth of fishermen.
1: Testing these spear fishermen out. So take us through the test. What do you have to do? I mean, it's a pretty simple test. And both our guys are going to not just ace it. They're going to ace it and, like, one-up it. Because essentially, they're just like, you just got to swim all the way across this body of water, which is on fire, and come up at the other side, and you're a fisherman. Like, Mm -hmm. we know you can hold your breath long enough. We see one guy do it, swims under, pops up. He's great. Verdun and Burke make a big like show of like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. But both of them pop on the other side, not just alive, but they've speared fishes while swimming underneath the burning lake.
0: Yeah. Which I guess is pretty impressive i don't also they're not fishermen and they don't know how to, i'm assuming neither one has a spear but what we've learned is they're great at everything they try these two. Oh, they oh they're
1: they're very good don't you, don't they test astronauts in water is that how you like learn to be an astronaut uh, they put sure. you in those le- they put you under the uh in that pool well i think you're you have to get your uh spear work right like Right. top notch. that's part, that's part of how it works yeah um but this is very exciting to uh old hutton he's just like oh my god i'm desperate for two good producers Look at these two. They're showing off when they come up with two fish. He's really, it's hard for him. He's just like, do you know how long it takes to make a new fisherman? These things take forever to breed. It was pretty good. It was that, it was that, it takes so long for these things to grow up. How am I going to get my quota? You know how long it takes to make a new fisherman? Yeah, it was good. So when he has two of them just drop into his lap, he's like, this is the best news. Bandor's going to love this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of course, around this time, Galen's been left in the cave with Gato and he's just like, Oh, what happened to those two guys? So he kind of wanders off to the, he just drops in. He's like, I was going to drop by the forced labor camp, pops in to visit Hutt, and He's like, have you seen my two slaves who ran away? Yeah, and, he, Hutt, and he's immediately suspicious of it. He's like, wait a minute. Well, Hutton's just like, well, they told me a different set of lies. I don't know who's telling me the truth. And also, I kind of want to keep these producers. Yeah. He keeps calling them producers, which I really like. Yeah. So it reminded me of something from like Glenn Garrigan Ross. Right. Like, we're producers. <laughs> right. There's a lot of like hinting of
0: the religion here. I didn't think it was handled in the most sensitive way. There was, I still think this show has a tendency to talk down about certain things. And it also treats
1: the apes as stupid sometimes, which I always think is not their strongest play. I you see. Here's the thing is at first I thought, cause this is what happens is they're like, you want your slaves back. I want to keep them. The only thing we can do is let the sea gods decide. Yeah. And uh, Galen's like, yeah, sounds great. Uh, who are the sea gods? And he's like, oh, you know, the sharks. Right. But I at first took it to be the religion was more related to the humans. Like this was the human sea god because obviously Gato's right. convinced of that. But the longer we went into the episode, I think you're right. It was the apes, I, I thought. I think it was more of a collective, like everyone believes that who lives on the coast, which is kind of interesting because in the farmland, there's clearly like a farm a cowbell god. Right. So I think what we're kind of seeing is like there's no like... Formal religion in this place. They kind of like latch on to whatever idea kind of suits their the environment they live in in some ways. I just, there's sort of this, I said the knee jerk reaction of this
0: sort of talking down about it. It's like, can you believe how stupid they are? They think the sharks are gods. And, I, and it's like, maybe that was just my own reading into it, but I was just like, oh, guys, like, it, I don't know.
1: It, it wasn't explored enough. I i think it's just, I think you're right. Like, it wasn't explored enough for it to get, to, for there to be a clear, because basically what happens here is they're like, all right, we'll let the sea gods aside uh you two just go swim into the ocean with those sharks B- but to what end is never explained i mean galen yeah, we
0: don't know if they were like
1: are you supposed to just swim back and survive or are you supposed to have killed a shark whatever
0: you don't learn that but what happens is galen gives them a knife and i like it. it's like in the least conspicuous way ever he just like walks over and he's like here take this take this knife man. and they take a knife and then you get actually a pretty fun scene of them swimming underwater a lot of and, like, underwater photography a lot of cutting back and forth of sharks that are clearly in a different body of water Well, they're,
1: they're swimming through that kelp and they at least i think they tried to find yeah. sharks in at least reefs or something so it was like plausible mm. and then there's like a big dummy shark that they like stab under the water and they come out and they're like conquering heroes because they killed a the shark yeah which not is,
0: only did they pass whatever the test was but they also killed a shark which i assume was not part of the test
1: but i think that is kind of the problem is like i wasn't sure if it was like is the whole point of this just a, all right you want the slaves i want the slaves uh, i'm just gonna kill them by sending them the shark water or was it? Or was there a real test? It was never clear, right? Because even when they come back, Galen's like, "Well, they survived, so I guess I get my slaves back." And then Hutton's like, eh, "Let's wait for Bandor." Like he literally is just like, yeah. eh, "I know they did survive, and you want your slaves back, but you know what? Let's let Bandor decide." Yeah, and Bandor's pretty much here now at this point doesn't he finally arrive uh and we kind of he's coming he's very he's almost here jordan yeah the anticipation couldn't be let's more not give the listeners higher. Bandor just yet <laughs> right because they kind of come back to the village and like basically they're just like well you got to stay spirit fisherman here but galen's allowed to hang out with you now and we don't see much of it but verdun and burke have kind of been like hey anybody heard of gatto around here do you guys know a gatto we found him out in the in the ocean finally uh his daughter, like, materializes in the village. She finally gets the courage to go talk to him. She's like, you found my dad. And they're like, Galen, go take her to see her dad. So Galen, uh, like, comes out. He's like, "You, if you leave with me, it'll be okay. You won't get shot by the guards because you're walking out with an ape, which I was just like, oh, it was a weird. I know. It was just like, it was a way to get around something. But I was like, is that how it works? You brought it up earlier that it's only men fishing. And they will say it at some point is that, like, when Bandor will later arrive, they'll be like, oh, well, we don't need to get this, like, why should we give him his slaves? He stole one of my female slaves. Right. Which he, who he describes as worthless. And I'm just <laughs> like, she could also fit like I nothing know. they're doing is hard. Yeah. But like, essentially I guess there, there's very little stock put in her. So she's able just to walk out with Galen to go visit her father, essentially. And you're right. Basically um, this is when Bandor arrives. He's here. He's finally here. He's going to, he's going to band. I love it. They keep calling him mm-hmm. Bandor and he bans the slaves and they're finally going to ban these slaves. So they can be, permanent fisherman at this forced labor camp Hutton basically brings him into his office he's like hey you're not gonna believe this Bandor." and he's like ah more complaints about the quotas Hutton he's like no I got these great producers God sent him to me I'll let me say this about Bandor. Uh, Bandor
0: looks just like uh, Zayas. yeah he's an orangutan yeah he's same same hilarious sticks haircut and whatever voice the actor is doing I think he was trying to be the most annoying person of all time. Was he not? Oh, I liked
1: it. No, no I know. I like. What he was I going thought for. he was really
0: hamming it up. That's what I mean. I think he was going for. Oh, you've been waiting for Bandor, huh? And everyone talks about Bandor and how annoying he is. It's like, I'm going to be the most annoying person ever, and he is. He's
1: annoying. Yeah, he's a jerky boss. Yeah, he is a jerky boss. That's it. Like he keeps talking about how I got these two new producers. They're great. They're gifts from God. And uh, Bandor's like, oh, it's really good. He's like, and then it's like, well, except uh, their owners here, and he like also wants them back, and he's like. Shoulda known Hutton fucking it up again. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like he like it says no. It like Hutton to Bandar is just like Bandar's like you're such a fool. Well, you're yeah. you're always messing this stuff up. This is a sitcom in itself. Huh? It is a sitcom. But basically, Bandar's like, you know what? They're good producers. I rule in your favor. Galen's not here. He stole one of your female slaves. That's his slave now. <laughs> it's like they kind of just wipe it under the table. Yeah. And they go out to do like finally do this banding ceremony, but they can't find Verdun and Burke. They're like, what's that noise? There's someone shouting down by the ocean. We should head down there and see. Mm-hmm. As they head down to the ocean, we cut back to uh, Gato, Galen, and his daughter. And they're walking back to the forced labor camp. Like He's bringing them both back. Yeah. And uh, Galen's telling them, he's like, don't worry. We've got a plan. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. I know your dad was sent up to die in the ocean for reasons we haven't gotten into. And no one said, maybe because he's old, mm-hmm. it's unclear. But we're going to get him reintroduced. No one's going to kill him. Trust me, we had a great plan. Yeah, this plan is something. Cut to a shot of uh, Galen with his fingers crossed behind his back. <laughs> like, actually, is that right? Did you not catch that? No. Yeah, he's telling them how everything's sorted out, nothing's gonna go wrong, and the camera pushes oh, see, in, and his fingers I, are crossed. I missed his that back. because,
0: I mean, we will go into it momentarily, but there's like no plan. So what we basically see is, what's his face? Uh, Pete and Alan are talking. Like the whole crowd comes down come down to the to, to the mm-hmm. beach and they're like, like, check this out. And the two of them go into the ocean and they have a net for some reason. They
1: they'd stolen a rope and they've built it into a like a yeah. fishing net.
0: And so they pull it out of the water and of course they've caught a whole load of fish. And yep. they're and they're basically like Once again you stupid pe you stupid apes. You don't know how to farm. You don't know well do anything.
1: People are and, stupid too apparently.
0: Yeah. And and uh, that's true. And they're like, you know, look how many fish we can catch. But here's the part I liked is this is where uh, a Gatto comes in, and he's just like,
1: "Hey, remember me?" Yeah. And th- and they were like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah." So like, you don't want to kill me anymore? Well, no. What's kind of happening is Galen, because they're watching, and Galen's like, yeah. "Get out there, Gatto. Get out there, Gatto." And he's just like, "But I should be dead." To just get out there and say what I told you to say. Gatto like wanders out in front of them. He's just like, "Good, pull in the net, good." And then basically Verdun just like and this guy invented the net this Gatto guy i know but here. it just it didn't make any sense it was just like he's there and they're like all right i was forgiven well basically bandor is like whoa these quotas are gonna go way up you guys catch so many fish and then they're like "Gatto invented the net and hutton's like yeah i knew about all of this the whole time i am a genius bandor aren't i great like basically everyone is like sucking up to the bot it's it's like an episode of a sitcom where everyone yeah. sucks up to the boss and it all kind of like works out. Works out because like someone someone needs to get out of work early. So they're like, well, I've got an idea where what if we had a net? Like, and it just like trickles up basically. And they're so impressed. And uh, Verdun and Galen are like, before we get our, before we put our bands on these uh, new producing slaves, we got one more thing to show you. And they like throw seaweed off of a raft they've built. And they're like, Bandor, hold this giant reel with a rope wrapped around it. And they just start, galen gets on the raft he hates the water so he's afraid there's a whole subplot about how Mm -hmm. apes are afraid of water and galen hates it but they get on the raft and they start rafting out and the rope's slowly falling off of this reel and finally they get far enough out and the rope just falls off the reel and they're like well now what happens i don't understand this invention and they just keep paddling away (laughs) It's, they, it's, it's like an insane escape yeah and they just they just i liked it though it was like a
0: ma- magic trick that they were waiting for at the end they're like oh there's no trick you, we just got so far away that you can't catch us now Yeah, we're, so, we've, we've just escaped yeah
1: it was it was fun i i did enjoy it too and they kind of like land back on the beach we first saw them on and they're so happy to be free they just start roughhousing on the beach
0: yeah it becomes like um rocky three where uh they were just running on the beach training it was very funny and it was very much like that like just just guys having fun on the beach yeah they're running
1: they're trying to throw galen in the water because yeah. they know he hates it i think one of them throws a rock at or sand at him <laughs> at some point yeah and that's
0: the episode Did they just wrap it up real quick everything uh everything's better
1: So real standalone for sure i think probably one of the most standalone maybe yeah. not but it it felt contained in a very nice way actually
0: so what do you think of these episodes
1: um it's a good question here uh you want to just right get into the ratings right now yeah, might as well. Unless
0: you have something else you want to say, I
1: guess not. We can just get right into the ratings. Legacy, this uh, holographic thing they find in a in a place.
0: My review was five at a high. I I wrote boring, five point five out of ten. However, talking about it, I think I actually like it a little bit more. Just something about the way you way you described it, you made me like a little more. So I'm gonna give it a six.
1: Six A. It's funny. I think I li- I definitely liked it more in the moment, and it felt closer to what the formula has been to me. This mm. first episode it was like. The first episode felt pretty strong, kind of like uh, the first time they went to the Broken Down City. But because it was a bunch of repeated, like the same sets, I liked the hologram, the idea they'd buried this stuff, and I liked the plan that was executed on them. You're right, it did drag a bit. Um, but I, and I think I might have given it a higher score before, but I think I'm gonna come down to a I think I'm gonna go to a bit six point five. Hmm. And we're pretty close. I think I've come down and you've come up. Yeah. Uh, what about tomorrow's tide?
0: Again, I don't know what to feel about this because. There's a lot of thoughts of what I think this could have been, and I think there was a lot of promise at the beginning of the episode. We might feel differently about it, but I did not like the second half. The first half, I was all in. I thought it was gonna be water battles, getting stranded out in the water, getting fighting sharks and stuff. And what you get is a couple shark fins going by, and then a lot of waiting for Bandor. So, <laughs> that band- like right. the first half was, I thought really fun and set it up. So I'm gonna give it a high, pretty high score, but. It loses four points for waiting for Bandor, so this is also going to get a 6 out of 10.
1: (laughs) It was at a 10, but it lost four points. Yeah, it lost
0: four points. It was at a 10 of potential and then lost four.
1: It's funny. I actually, I think when I finished watching them, I thought this held the formula like it did before. I thought it was strong episode, weak episode. But even going through it now, i realizing I liked Tomorrow's Tide more than I realized I did. Mm. So I'm actually going to call it a 6.52. I think I'm going to just be like, Neither of these were as good as they could have been, but they're also much better than the weakest episodes we've seen.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. What's the we- the second one was probably the worst of this, right?
1: Yeah, you. I, th- I think I might have given the cage miting one a slightly lower, but mm. now I regret that. I think the farming one was worse. The which one? The farming one was worse. Oh, yeah, that was
0: the worst one. <laughs> yeah, th- I think that's going to be a trend in all shows we watch. If there's an episode just purely on farming, it probably doesn't make for great TV. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think 6.5 is okay.
1: Uh, I mean, I could go up to 7 on them.
0: Don't even bother. But I think, I gotta think save 6.5 it. is
1: the right the right area.
0: You got to save it for that next episode, the
1: third time they go back to that rubble city. Hey, man, if you got it flaunted. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I guess that about wraps it up for the episode because mm-hmm. I, I don't have too much much to say. We, I think we got into almost everything I wanted to talk about. So if you want to uh, reach out to us, talk about um, these Planet of the Apes episodes we're watching, you can get us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And uh, what are we going to put up on uh, Instagram and Twitter this week? Uh, Pete barbecuing a fish, maybe. Oh, yeah. Just a little barbecue. <laughs> yeah. with that there, in, the, in the tent. Wasn't that weird? Oh, you, we got to go back and definitely find him crossing his fingers. Oh, yeah. I'll have to find that. That, that was pretty good. Um, you can do, find those on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag. And uh, I guess that about wraps it up. So, Jordan, uh, until next time, it's uh, been good fishing with you.
0: I guess we'll be waiting for Bandor.
1: Wait.
0: <laughs> Is that a way to end it? That's a way to end it. That's yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Seidler. Produced by Jordan Delek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.